This is a Podcast 225 production. Welcome to the Clay Young Show. 181 episodes in, and I'm still having fun doing it. Welcome to episode 182 of the Clay Young Show here on podcast225.com, iTunes, and on the Talk 107.3 mobile app. Man, hopefully you guys are having a good time and not dealing not dealing with a late-in-the-year cold like some of us, but it's all good. I'm very, very excited about today's show because our guest on the show was a part of history, and I'll get to what I mean by that in just a second. Also in today's show, I, I want to talk about the LSU-Alabama game, and so we'll do that in the closing segment, and a special congratulations to a member of the podcast, 225 family, who has just accomplished something so great and just can't wait to have them on the show to have you hear about that. Just just an amazing thing to see. So I want to talk about that as well. Also, a few thoughts, only a few thoughts about the aftermath of the midterm elections <laughs> and what we've seen in the days since then. But today's show is about, as I said earlier, history. Now, as many of you may have known, the Louisiana State Police just finished an academy where 48 new state troopers graduated from the 98th cadet class. Pretty amazing in itself. But what stood out even more in, um, among these newly minted law enforcement officers was one Tia Laverdane, okay, or Laverdane. And she is a 23-year-old woman, African-American woman, who, along with her mother, will become the first-ever mother-daughter members of the Louisiana State Police. I think that's just... Absolutely fantastic. I remember seeing the story and just thinking, wow, how nice is that? Lieutenant Treon Larvadane is going to be here with us in studio in just a moment to talk about that. And she gave perspective on what this meant to her. So we'll get a chance to talk about that now. Tia won't be able to join us because she's got business right now. <laughs> She's going through her training process, and the brass at the state police want her to focus on that, and I couldn't agree with it more. So I'm sure at some point in the very near future or whenever, we'll get her in here and have a chance to talk with her. But right now, she's got higher priorities, and I certainly respect that. But her mother, Lieutenant Treon Larvadane, I'm going to get that name right, uh, she will be here with us in studio to talk about this. And I will try not to screw up her name when she's here with me in the room. And we'll have that conversation with her next. This is Dr. Mary Catherine Rodriguez. And I'm Katie Fetzer. We're the owners and co-founders of The Wellness Studio, a mental health practice with locations here in Baton Rouge and Covington. We are also your host for The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com. Our podcast is a journey into the world of mental health. On our show, we're going to discuss some of the various forms of mental health conditions. We're also going to shed light on the various ways our listeners can get a better understanding of how the mind works and why we do what we do. So subscribe today to get The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107.3 mobile app. 
promote your business or organization on podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Back with Lieutenant Trion Larvadane with the Louisiana State Police. And as we said in the open, she's a part of history as her daughter was a member of the 98th graduating class of the Louisiana State Police. 48 new troopers in all. And 23-year-old Tia Larvadane is now a newly minted state trooper. And her mom is here. How are you? I'm doing well. And how are you? Fantastic. I I know that you have gotten nothing but positive reaction from the news story that ran after the graduation telling the story of you and your daughter now becoming the first mother-daughter tandem in the state police. That's got to be gratifying for you as a mom. It is. It's um, actually a proud moment for my family and I. Mm -hmm. Um, We've not only gotten statewide recognition we've also gotten nationwide recognition yeah brian lee was telling me about that that you know although i think the new york times or somebody called as well trying to try to talk with you so let's let's talk about you starting in the beginning why did you choose to get into law enforcement i've always had a passion to want to help other people Mm -hmm. um i began oddly enough attending Nichols State University in nursing. Okay. Um, my mom's a nurse. Okay. My grandmother's a nurse. <laughs> my sister's a nurse. Yeah. So when I told mom that I wanted to become a law enforcement officer, she kind of like wasn't too happy with that. Was she worried about your safety maybe? She was worried about my safety. Yeah. And I kind of, I guess, got had gotten away from the traditional right. nursing right. type environment for our family. But it's still service. It is service. Yeah. It is service. So what drew you to law enforcement, though? I mean, you obviously you you hear stories, nurses, because nurses are some of the hardest workers in any hospital in any place. Yes, they, I love them. Yeah. And so you hear these stories. I'm sure they had great stories to tell. And then you decided law enforcement. What was the trigger to send you there? Well, I wanted to do something where I can, uh, not that nurses don't have an immediate impact on Mm -hmm. people, but I wanted to kind of get out there and involved in the communities. Um, I was always a member of my church, active there, um, but I wanted to do something where I can see some immediate results and be involved. Um, I have a passion for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first began my career in law enforcement, I also became a D.A.R.E. instructor. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. Um, I kind of got into that and in just being involved, teaching kids about the dangers of drugs and stuff like that. You know, when a, a, a former colleague of yours, Murphy Paul, was here a few weeks ago and he talked about his first stint in law enforcement was yes, with the state police. Mm-hmm. But he said as a kid in New Orleans, he didn't have a high opinion of law enforcement. And he said, the first really positive interaction he had with law enforcement was with a state trooper. Yes. And he said it just changed his perspective and kind of lit a fire that, you know, still to this day, he's the XO of the Baton Rouge Police Department, the commanding officer. And so for you, what was your perspective of police officers before you became one? 
Well, I'm actually from Belrose, Louisiana, mm-hmm. and I always saw positive interactions or yeah. had positive interactions with local law enforcement in my agency. Yeah. I mean, in my area. So um, I would, uh, when I applied for the Assumption Parish Sheriff's Office and got employed, mm-hmm. I initially started as entering data. Okay. Um, so I too saw a state trooper that would come in. Um, Frequently, mm-hmm. um, at that time, it was he was a trooper, uh, Dwayne Shexniner. Okay, so I always thought he looked sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, you know, very um, personable. Yeah, he always had something nice to say. But I just thought his demeanor yeah. was stellar yeah. and professional. Yeah, and I was like, I'm going to do that one day. Wow. So, I mean, that's that's a rare thing when people can find something like that and say, mm-hmm. I'm going to do that, and then actually make it happen. Yes. And I think there is a lesson in that for people who are listening is that, you know, dreams are not real until you start doing something about them. Correct. And I loved um, the Assumption Parish Sheriff's Office. Mm -hmm. You know, I I had 10 great years there. Yeah. Um, Probably if I'd still be there, I may be, who knows, maybe sheriff, but... um, It ain't over yet. It's not over yet. (laughs) That is true. Um, But when I did that, I did 10 years there. Yeah. And I actually started the State Police Academy on Tia's birthday, March 27th of 2006. Wow. So, yes, she was 11 when I started the academy. So what were some of the things that you learned when you got on with the state police? Some of the things that you see because you're interacting in such a larger area because it is our state's law, law enforcement agency. Some things that you learned, some things that were like, wow, mind blowing and some things that you didn't think about. Well, the things that I learned, um, just interacting with mm-hmm. the public, um, they really, at that time, when I started 22 years ago, yeah, policing was so much different. Sure. Um, they had a wealth of respect for mm-hmm. law enforcement. Um, I learned that they really looked up to right. law enforcement officers, whether sure. it was a police officer, a sheriff's deputy, yeah. or state troopers. Um, I found that, though, when I would arrive on crash scenes as a state trooper, you know, you kind of just commanded the respect of everybody else. It didn't matter who was there. Mm -hmm. You became that person. Everybody was kind of leaning towards information. I think that still exists, though, don't you? Oh, it does. It does. Yeah. This climate in the country now, I think, is often unfortunate because I think the way we go about dealing with issues, even controversial ones, mm-hmm. um, sometimes we kind of eliminate the possibility of a solution because of the way the conversations happen, if that makes any sense. Correct. Instead of talking about serious matters in an adult way, where even if people disagree, they can have a discussion about it. Yeah. Now you have name calling and screaming, and then there's social media, yeah. and it's like, we're not doing anything to make anything better with the way that so many people are approaching it. And we all know that social media isn't always um, report, reported accurately. Oh, like, it's a cesspool more often than not. <laughs> I'm sorry. It just I just call it like it is. It, it just is. And for most people who are on it, who have positive intentions, sharing pictures, talking about yes. their kids, their families or whatever. And I do think that they are the majority of people. But Correct. there is that minority who just get on there to stir up crap. Yeah. And and that's a shame. How do you when you interact with kids now in this new climate when you get a chance to talk to young people in a classroom or in a group and and you're trying to get them to get a perspective on what you do? What is your approach? You know my rep- my approach is simple. Um I was always raised in the the manner that by my grandmother and my mom. Mm-hmm. 
you know, you want to always treat people the way you want to be treated. Absolutely. You want to be respectful of right. others. If right. you want respect, then you have to kind of, you know, be that way and treat those people that way. Right. Um, I've always been a strong believer that if you do what's right for mm-hmm. the right reasons, mm-hmm. even when no one's look, looking, right. then you should be fine. Right. Well, if you do the right thing when nobody's looking, it's easier to do the right thing when everybody's watching. Correct. You know, uh, about a month ago, a, a group of people were in Scotlandville, and we went up there for this little community thing where we walk out and you know meet folks and just say hello. I just say, go love on neighbors. And so there were law enforcement, business people there, clergy, and uh, Les Miles was out there with us as well. And we gave away food and snow cones. Did not know the snow cones were going to be that kind of a hit, but they were. I left out of there with purple hands. <laughs> but I remembered a little fella coming over to where I was because I was helping to pass them out. And there was a, a city police officer there. Mm-hmm. And he was so hesitant. And one of the ladies said, oh, he's afraid of cops. He had to be all of five. Okay. And the, the thing I thought about is how sad is that? Because the adults can shape the way children view people that they have no reason to be afraid of. They can. So then what do we do about that, Lieutenant? Well, well, the problem is, um, for example, I'll give you an example. I'm in a grocery store. Um, There's a mother that walks in with her young kid, probably Mm -hmm. about the same age, five. Yeah, And they're always like, well, if you don't um, behave correctly, I'm going to have that police officer arrest you. Yeah. So what I do is I stop it at that moment. I said, come here, sweetheart. You know, um, I'm, you know, Lieutenant Laura Dane. I said, police officers are good people. Police officers are the ones you want to talk to if something's going wrong right. or, you know, somebody's doing something to you that they shouldn't. Correct. They're your friends. Right. I said, I'm not going to bring you to jail because you're misbehaving. I said, but you got to listen to mom. I said, that's the right thing to do, right? So I kind of stopped that there. And yeah. then I kind of pulled mom t- to the side and tell her some different choice words <laughs> and that I didn't appreciate that. <laughs> right. Um, you know, her trying to scare right. her child with a police officer. Because she turns you into the friend. boogeyman. Correct. And this child grows up with the only context of you or people in your profession yes. as being someone that they should be afraid of or worried about. Yes. And that's not the way. No. But law enforcement is service. Yes. And so, you know, that's the thing. So obviously your daughter got up, you know, saw mom going to work in law enforcement. Yes. She was a baby, basically, when you started in law enforcement, correct? She was. She was one years old. Okay, so she's one. So all she's ever known is my mom has been a police officer. And coming up, how, how do you think she she took to that? Because here's the thing. A daughter whose mom is a cop is like the bat signal over the house for any young man who's got the wrong intentions. Exactly. <laughs> it, it works really in my favor for, like, prom and homecoming. <laughs> It was some good times. Um, but my daughter, she was at um, Napoleonville Middle School. Mm-hmm. And what she would do is, like, when school was over, my office was, like, a half a mile from the school. Okay. So either I had, like, an administrative assistant that would yeah. go walk and meet her, or sometimes yeah. she'd just walk to my office and come there every day after school. So at that time, I really didn't realize, but I've had a chance to reflect mm-hmm. um, and see some of the moments that I probably missed that she what do you was mean? really she was really showing me that she was paying attention to mom. I didn't think she was oh, paying that okay. co- close yeah. attention to yeah. me as a law enforcement officer. Sure. Um, 
she went to UL in college, mm-hmm. and I thought she was going to join the Air Force, become an officer there. Mm-hmm. Um, even set her up with a few interviews. Yeah. Um, one of the people was a, a well-known attorney in that area. Mm-hmm. She went for an interview. He gave me a call. He said, um, you know, I really like your daughter, but, um, you know, you, she wants to be a cop. I said, excuse me? He said, she wants to be a trooper. He said, I've got some contacts at Lafayette uh, Police Department. I said, oh, no, sir, thank you. I appreciate you, but I'll talk to my daughter. And so that was kind of the defining moment. So you didn't know? No. um, There were signs, though. Yeah. I I wasn't picking up on the signs. Right. You know, she would always ask me to buy a shirt from our, you know, Louisiana State Troopers Association store. She always asked me to buy a license plate. I'm like, why do you want all this stuff? You can't do anything with it. Right. Well, she would put it up on her walls and her doors and decorate it in her college dorm room. Yeah. And then she would bring it to her apartment when she got an apartment. So I was like, okay, I don't know why she wants all of this, but she really wanted to be a trooper. (laughs) (laughs) So the first conversation, so when y'all had a chance to sit down with her, did you call her or did did you wait for her to get to the house? This was a face-to-face. We had a face-to-face conversation. So did you initiate it to say, hey, Tia, I had a conversation with so-and-so? I did. And my thing was, I wanted to make sure she knew exactly what she was getting into. Right. That she wasn't romanticizing about it. Correct. And it's not a game. Okay. Law enforcement is a great, a fantastic career. Absolutely. But you, it's like a calling. You have to be called to do this. Right. And you have to have some street smarts. And Mm -hmm. I knew she had that. Mm -hmm. She's not missing street smarts at all. Um, She has a lot of common sense. Mm -hmm. And you have to have that to kind of get you through this um, profession. But when we had that talk, I said, you know, you do realize the pros and the cons. You know, I explained everything to her, the good and the bad. Right. You know, the climate that we currently have. Sure, sure. So she had all of that information. Right. She got it firsthand from someone that's been living it for the last 22 years. Right, right. As as I said earlier, a 23-year-old African-American woman with Mm -hmm. all of her life ahead of her, I would think that she is the example of what law enforcement agencies would hope to attract, mm-hmm. right? The, the the people who have who who choose to do it, yes. Not somebody who falls back on it, correct. Um, and so, because of that, has she spoken to you about the impact of of, of all of this attention y'all have gotten? Um, she has, uh, but right now uh, for Tia. You know, of course, she and 47 other male counterparts right. of hers graduated successfully from the Louisiana State Police Academy. Right. Um, and, of course, I want to commend them for also Absolutely. accomplishing that goal yeah. along with Tia. But um, she did speak to me about it, and it's just been kind of overwhelming for her. Yeah. But she still has another phase to successfully complete, and sure. that's her field training yeah. Um, program. She's riding with a field training officer now for okay. eight to twelve weeks. Okay. So that's important. Um, we have de- respectfully declined some other, you know, um, media outlets. Yeah, yeah. Because we don't want her to have those distractions. Well, Trooper Lee said that to me when we were talking about setting this up, and I completely exactly. understand mm-hmm. that that is a higher priority. And you and I know there will be some other story that comes along, oh, and absolutely. people move on, and 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 for her, it'll it won't. People will always remember it because this is a first that you could remember. Yes, but. You know, they'll move on to something else. Exactly. There'll be something on Twitter or somewhere and they'll move on to something <laughs> else. Uh, so one of the other things you talked about, I saw an interview, one of the television in, uh, interviews you did, and you talked about the message it sends to young women yes. and to women in general, yes. which I really, really liked. And I'd like you to kind of talk about that here. 
Well, you know, um, for women, uh, our agency, um, we're kind of, I guess, low on the numbers for women. Mm -hmm. So we're always happy when we can get women or minorities mm -hmm. to kind of, you know, get involved with state police. Yeah. Um, what I'm hoping for, for the women out there listening today, um, if they're thinking about a career in law enforcement, I want to, I hope this story inspires them right. to kind of um, let them know they can do it. It can mm -hmm. be accomplished. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't have to be on the level of Louisiana State Police. They can start at a local agency if sure. they feel they need to get some other experience. Sure. But we would love to have them at Louisiana <laughs> State Police because we have a phenomenal agency. Right. Um, the training's good. Um, you know, we are all about being inclusive and right. empowering. Right. Um, we want people to be involved, to have a, a role at the table. Sure. Um, there are people that have come before me that mm -hmm. kind of laid that foundation, mm -hmm. and I'm appreciative for that. Um, but my message to them is that I want this to be inspiring to them. Right. I want them to know that they can accomplish anything that they set their minds Absolutely. to. Absolutely. There's so much negativity out there now, and when I get a chance to talk to kids, I always tell them that winning and losing, neither one of them are foregone conclusions. Mm -hmm. They are the outcome of choice every time. No one is born a winner or a loser. Okay. It's really about a series of choices that turns you into one or the other. And as much as it may not be friendly, the world is filled with losers, mm -hmm. but also winners. And I think the, the positive story about y'all, it grabbed me so much because there's so few positive stories out there. Yes. All we seem to want to do is dwell on negative. Yes. And, and I think that has an impact on kids, too, don't you think? I think so. Um, you know, there are a lot of positive stories out there. Sure. Unfortunately, we know what gets the attention or gets people to kind of get involved and start spewing the, the right. negativity right. Um, with the social media. Right. I mean, you get half truths, you know, everything's right. not reported accurately. Right. Right. We know that there's another part of the story. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people intentionally leave that information That's out. That's right. Um, but we are the positive story. Um, and I want them to know that. Um, but it's hard work, too. She had to earn this. She had to earn it. Mama <laughs> yeah. didn't give her right. uh, information right. throughout. You know, at one point I was assigned to the training academy. Yeah. But she did it all on her own. And I to told her she would appreciate it more earning it mm -hmm. than somebody just handing it to Amen. you and say, hey, look at the answers right. to this. Or right. do I didn't give her any, any hints. Right. Um, you know, I told her she had to have a, a strong mind mentally mm -hmm. to get mm -hmm. through it. It was mental and physical. Right. Um, that's pretty much my only, like, <laughs> advice prior to the academy that she got. Well, just, and we I mentioned this earlier before we started. I wanted to talk about this. When people see state state police officers normally, it's just either in traffic or, mm -hmm. you know, at, a, at an accident or something. Let's talk about what the state police does, what they do as an agency. Oh, gosh. We have so many different roles. Um as an agency. So we know that we have the backbone of our department is uniform patrol. Right. Right. The, right. The patrol guys. So they do the crashes, DWIs, the tickets. Right. You know, everybody loves to get speeding tickets, right? Yeah, um, sure. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, but we have so much more to offer as an agency. Right. You know, we have our Bureau of Investigations. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have our crime lab, you know, that's active yep. in helping solve, you know, cold cases, right. current homicides, things sure. of that nature, comparing DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, we have our internal affairs section, which I'm a part of. <laughs> yeah. Um, Everybody loves y'all. Of course. Right. But if you're doing your job properly, you shouldn't have any problems. (laughs) That's right. Uh, We have an intelligence unit. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's just so many different facets. We have, you know, sex crimes, uh, well, special investigations. They kind of cover sex crimes, human trafficking. We have a large scale of things that we're involved in. And there's, you know, when you come on, of course, you start in patrol. Yeah. But there's so many different other opportunities within the organization that you can venture into once you get some experience. If you had the opportunity to pull together leaders across the state and even, you know, say leaders around the country as it relates to the discussion about law enforcement and Mm -hmm. communities, what would you how would you advise them? to change the current tone and narrative that we see that has been so toxic to both sides? You know, I, um, I really don't think that um, the percentage of negativity is that high. Mm-hmm. You know, we may have that 1%, um, but I think we have enough positivity here um, within the agency and other agencies because we work so well with other agencies right um, that's kind of how we get our you know um all of our resources together right um my thing is that i would just tell them you kind of do like i can speak for myself you know wake up do your job right do it the right way yeah um and not you know do anything shady or negative right Right. And I think that um, I think, again, this story goes a long way to talk about something positive. I appreciate you coming in and sitting down and having this conversation. It was painless, wasn't it? It was. Okay. It was. Okay. It was. I mean, man, before we started, she laid her gun on the table and told me, <laughs> watch yourself, young. <laughs> no, no, that. she did, did not, not do, that. do that. Well, listen, uh, give give your daughter our best and, and thank you for w- raising such a fine young woman and for the example that you set. And I love what y'all say about young women because I, I do think it's important to let young women know that they can be in control of their own destinies. They can. And just, I forgot to mention when I mentioned other sections within our department. Okay. If I can go back to sure, that. sure. We also have like protective services, which, which is I worked in that section as well, and that's where we provide security to the governor and his okay. immediate family. Yeah. So that's another section that also is instrumental in the state police's role. Awesome. So, but. So this, hopefully this won't be the last time I'll see you here in studio. Hopefully not. I plan to do some other things, uh, kind of break some other records and, uh, you know. We see, Brian, see, all of a sudden, she didn't want to She didn't want to come in here a second ago. Now she's already invited herself back. I love it. I'm glad that. <laughs> well, but again, and also I want to end on, 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 a, on a serious note again that I love the example it sets and what it says about Louisiana that y'all did that. So thank yes. you so much and pass along our thanks and congratulations to your daughter. I absolutely will. Thanks for having me. As well as the other 47 people who graduated in the 98th uh, graduating yes, class. Congrats. They are a part of our family now. All right.
Back to wrap up in just a moment. This is Jeff Leduff, retired chief of police for the city of Baton Rouge. I'm Kelly Leduff, co-owner of Open Eyes Safety Training and Consulting. Open Eyes is focused on providing quality safety solutions that give businesses and employees the skill set needed to recognize and react to dangerous situations. On a daily basis, we hear yet another story of workplace violence or active shooter. Open Eyes offers a unique approach to keeping you and your businesses safe through site analysis, technology recommendations, policy review, and employee training. To set up a consultation for your business, call us today at 225-313-9713 or visit us at our website at openeyesafetytraining.com. We say keep open eyes because 10% of our population cause 90% of our problems. See them before they see you. Executone of Louisiana has been helping businesses in Baton Rouge save money on their telecommunications for over 40 years. Executone will help businesses upgrade their phones and intercom systems, save money, and never have to worry about local customer support. Doctors' offices, hospitals, schools, businesses, it doesn't matter. All kind have depended on the good people at Executone to upgrade technology and save money. I have a question for you. Do you like saving money? Sure, of course you do. Here's another one. Do you want to keep the most up-to-date phone and intercom technology while saving money? That's what it's all about. That's a no-brainer. Don't get sucked in by out-of-town companies who are not here if you need technical support. Executone has been here, and they believe in the value of customer service, baby. Don't take my word for it. Give them a call, 225-295-3500. That's 295-3500. Oh, look them up. Executone L. Executone of Louisiana. They still here and they're going to continue to give you great service. Wow. Super impressive lady. Absolutely impressive. And the, the whole story is really, really a good one. And there are so many things that she said in that interview that I think carry a lot of weight. You know, just the impact of trying to do the right thing and how it impacts your children, even if you're not really paying attention uh, to whether or not they're watching. And then what she said about correcting the mom who said to her child, if you don't listen, I'm going to have that police officer arrest you. What the hell is wrong with people? Why would you tell your kid that? So don't do that if you do that. Even if you mean it innocently, don't do that. It's your job to discipline your children, not the freaking police. So I I just, like I said, I I enjoyed everything she said. Uh, Hearing how Tia's doing is fantastic. And again, she could have done anything she wanted to with her life, and she, she chose to do this. And I think that that is great. And we'll talk with them more. And listen, thanks to... Trooper Brian Lee, who was instrumental, obviously, in setting that up to get Lieutenant Larvadane here in studio with us to talk about this last year and her time getting into law enforcement. It was truly enjoyable for me. I hope you enjoyed it as well. All right. A couple things before we wrap up for this week. I want to give congratulations first up to Katie Fetzer, co-owner of the Wellness Studio, co-host of the Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com as she is now officially Dr. Katie Fetzer. That's right. You go, girl. Dr. Katie Fetzer. So proud of you, Kates, and uh, everything that 
that you guys have been doing with the wellness studio has been great. Y'all are such hard workers. And again, now it's Dr. Mary Catherine Gastonall and Dr. Katie Fetzer. So congrats. Also, LSU, Alabama. Oh, man. So I was at that game. It was, it was really a great day, right? The weather was perfect. I mean, the people were in such a great mood as is normally the case when you're tailgating. And I got there, I think, around 4 o'clock. Had the, the, the pleasure of being able to be in the locker room and seeing the, the guys before they go out onto the field and feeling the intensity in the locker room and seeing these guys on the field. Got a chance to meet some Hall of Famers, too, who were there at the game. There were a lot of celebrities there. Uh, Vince Vaughn was back there, the actor. Uh, you know, I, I was having a conversation with uh, somebody and Devin White. I forget who it was. Devin was kind of in the back. As you know, he couldn't play in the first half. And in to the locker room walk Ricky Jackson, former New Orleans Saint slash San Francisco 49er. He won a ring with the Niners. And Eric Dickerson, all-time great Hall of Fame running back who is still one of the fastest people who have ever played in the NFL and Marshall Falk, you know, one of those really diverse running backs who could catch and run and block. And he was there and Odell Beckham was there. Patrick Peterson was there. Kevin Falk, the former LSU running back who won, I think, three rings with the Patriots. He was back there. Eddie Kennison, former Tiger, former L.A. Ram. He was back there. And just, I mean, this feeling of family. And then man went out on that field and that darn ball had to be kicked off. And as great as the atmosphere was, and I would really love for LSU to get another crack at Alabama, not saying that they would beat Alabama, but another crack for a better showing. Uh, Darius Geis was out there too, man, and I guess he's recovering pretty good from his knee injury because he was bouncing around on that sideline. Who am I forgetting? Oh, Leonard. Leonard Fournette was out there and, and just good, good kid. Leonard's always cool as a fan. And, uh, but anyway, watching the game, I got to say, man, I, and I said this on social media, you know, we can jump all over LSU because of a, of a poor performance, but I think you kind of got to give Alabama credit for being a buzzsaw. They are as good as people say they are. And I watched the entire game. Well, not the entire game. Early in the fourth quarter, I was getting out of Dodge. But most of the game I watched from the sideline and I could see across the field at the Alabama sidelines. And it's very corporate over there. Very, very business. And look, it is what it is. I don't know that anybody's beating that. And if, if they do, they're going to have to play the perfect game. They're going to have to get Alabama to turn the ball over. They're going to have to be able to run the ball, which is going to be hard to do, and they've got to have competent quarterback play to be able to get the ball down the field. Think about this. LSU got shut out 29 to nothing versus Alabama, and I think played Alabama better than anybody else has so far. Think about it. They got Alabama to punt a few times. They actually picked off the quarterback, and he played all four quarters. Who else has done that? Punting, maybe, but he hadn't thrown an interception before then. And he certainly uh, 
hadn't played all four quarters, as as we all know. So I don't know, just uh, just interesting. So it was still fun. I don't regret being there. I just wish the outcome had been different. All right. Oh, the midterms. <laughs> so as you know, election day was this past week as we wrap up this week's show. And the House of Representatives is going to be going back over to the Democratic Party. And the Republicans have maintained control of the Senate, uh, as well as gaining a couple of seats. And there's a lot of work to be done uh, in this next coming cycle of the federal legislature. And the only thing I will say about it, because I just don't want to mar this show today and its positive vibes with going too heavily into politics because that just almost always draws out negative feelings one way or another. <clears throat> but I will say, at some point, we the people just have to demand that the men and women who represent us act like adults. And that's all I'll say. There will be more, just not on this show. There's a lot of work to be done. Infrastructure, things happening with veterans, immigration policy, healthcare policy, all those things. Just act like a grown up. That's all I'm saying today. More on another show. There you go. All right, you can follow me on Twitter at ClayYoungBR, on Facebook forward slash ClayYoung, on Instagram, Clay underscore YoungBR. And obviously, if you want to reach out and have a comment about a show, if you don't want to do it there, you can email me. That email address is Clay at podcast225.com. Thanks again to Lieutenant Larva Dane and the state police, and congrats to her and Tia, Trooper. Tia Larvadane with the Louisiana State Police. And I thank you for listening to this week's show. And we'll catch you next time here on podcast225.com. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.